Bulls Gold is delivered to you via the Barroom Network, now in its seventh year of providing podcasts about Chicago sports, movies, and more. Make sure to subscribe to the Barroom Network for free and easy downloads of its programming. And visit its merchandising store at deepdishtees.com to purchase t-shirts, hoodies, and mugs. Now, on with the show. Bye, Salim Sudawala. Salim, how's it going today? I'm doing great, Ab. Just a nice, uh, chill morning. Windy out today nearby me. I don't know how it's how the winter uh, weather has affected uh, Charlotte right now, but yeah, it's kind of it's kind of windy and uh, not too bad overall. I know Bulls are back tonight, so I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, weather here is pretty good. Uh, some tough game. The last or this Wednesday, this past Wednesday against the Cavaliers, where the Bulls just got beaten pretty bad, or about twenty points by the uh, Cavaliers, and again shorthanded with so many players on COVID. Uh, Caruso is uh, still out, so uh, not as exciting this week. Even though the game uh, Monday against Denver was pretty fun overall, but uh, still a bunch of, to get into with the Bulls this week. Yeah, and uh, we'll see how they fare against Miami uh, later today, and hopefully they start getting everyone back in their rotation. Uh, let me ask. I think, oh, go ahead. Now, now to say yeah, that Cavs game, man. I, I we were really shorthanded, but I was just like mesmerized by watching Mobley. I was like, yeah. man, this kid is this kid at 20 years old as a rookie is already a nightmare to face. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm scared of what he's gonna be in two, three years. <laughs> yeah, they they have a, they have some good building blocks, honestly. With uh, Darius Garland, Evan Mobley, Jared Allen has played really well this season, and even Lowry has been okay for them. I mean, he's been about what he's been in the past for them, but they've been a pretty like big surprise for the Eastern Conference this year and yeah I, I love watching uh Mobley and again you know how much I really like Darius Garland as well yeah, so that's your guy man you yeah. called that shot back in back in uh, what was the 18 draft right yeah we were um, we were close man well not close but it, it could have happened I mean I feel like with the uh like our last two picks like first round picks when we had Patrick Williams we were close to LaMelo Ball uh, Darius Garland, I think a, there was a time where a lot of people were talking about should we even trade up for him and what would the price be and yeah, you know, it happens, I guess. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was like uh, the 2019 draft. Yeah, obviously the Bulls had the seventh pick again, seventh pick again, and he yeah. went number five to the Cavs. We weren't that draft was just confusing because we didn't know what order everyone would like, not order, but like we, you don't know who we had no clue who would go where just because the draft was such a you know all over the place kind of mess. Yeah, in that sense, and yeah. I know, like, you had really got me into Darius Garland, too, just because, like, I was, like, all in and on him. And I was, I was so kind of deflated when Cavs took him up. I was like, damn it, they took him. Yeah, he <laughs> he would have been great, man. But yeah. he, he's found a good home in the Cleveland Cavaliers, and him and Mobley have been a really good building blast. But, yeah, we're going to get into it uh, this show. We're going to talk a little bit more about some of the games this week. And we're also going to continue 
the last few shows, I feel like we've had a lot of discussion about trades and whether the Bulls should go all in to maximize what they have this season to strike while the iron is hot and really, you know, push their chips in the middle of the table to contend. So we're going to get into that and we're going to talk more about uh, a popular uh trade deadline acquisition potentially in Harrison Barnes so we're, we're going to get into that a little bit later but joining us to uh to assist us with that he covers the Kings for uh Kings Pulse and uh King Harold Brendan Nunez Brendan thank you so much for joining us man yeah thanks for having me on guys um the Kings actually happen to play Cleveland tonight so I'm excited to kind of see that Cavs lineup you guys are talking about or Maybe not excited, depending on how it's going to go. The Kings haven't been playing great, but uh, yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. No, no, I appreciate you joining us. It'll be fun to get your insight on not only uh, the Kings and their perspective on what they want to do as as their season progresses, um, and but just also you get your thoughts on how you uh, your unbiased thoughts on the Bulls as well. That'd be great to hear. Yeah, definitely. Just uh, let me know what direction you want to take it in, and we can definitely check all those boxes. Let's so let's start off with the Bulls before before we get into the Kings and their season. Let's start off with the Bulls, and they've had a really good season so far. Of course, they, Demar Derozan, Zach Levine have been just absolutely brilliant for this team, and they are looking like a contender in the Eastern Conference so far with all of the moves they made in the off season. So. Again, in, in the past few shows, we've been talking about upgrades and how can we, you know, bolster the starting lineup? Can we add shooting to the bench? Maybe another big man? Just, just a lot of different ideas being thrown around because a lot of people feel like this team has a chance to maybe do something special this upcoming season. So just from you looking on the outside in, what have you thought about how the Bulls have played this season and where they stack up in the Eastern Conference? Yeah, the I mean, the clear surprise for me has been DeRozan. Like, I knew that he was still solid from his time in San Antonio. You know, like a lot of progress there as a ball handler. But I think to the degree that we've seen in the spacing that he's had around him, the success that he's seen in Chicago has been surprising to me. Um, Lonzo becoming this good of a three-point shooter has been amazing. Uh, always loved Lonzo as a player. And I think just the way that this team fits with really only one center on the roster and still scraping by defensively with, you know, your one big really just not being great on the defensive end. And I don't feel like the years there's like forwards on the roster that stand out to me as great defenders, you know, like Derek Jones jr. Solid. um, But not a phenomenal defender in my mind. I could be wrong there. Mm -hmm. Um, Patrick Williams like has the potential, but obviously hasn't played much this year. So, um, yeah, I mean, I've been really interested by sort of all these like guard wings that are really meshing really well on the Chicago roster. Um, and yeah, when it comes to where they stack in my mind compared to the rest of the East, um, I still probably have just Milwaukee. I I don't know. I mean, I think there's a good argument for, to put them in, in, in that tier with Milwaukee, but at very least, they'd be like in the second tier, still rubbing shoulders with. Um, I, I mean, the top four feels like Brooklyn, Milwaukee, Chicago, Miami, right? Mm-hmm. And then after that, I'm not all too sure. Philly probably in there, and it just becomes a bigger pool. But I mean, sitting in that top four compared to I think what expectations were for the beginning of the year, specifically for myself, is definitely um, exceeding expectations in a way that feels sustainable. 
What do you think has surprised you most? I, I guess you would say looking at this Bulls team, um, as far as their various you know successes that they've had. Obviously, the biggest question mark coming into this season, or a couple of big question marks. I guess that a lot of people outside um, had that. Like with Zach and Demar, how they would fit together. Obviously, defense as well was uh, people had questions on. Uh, how how did you view it as far as um, what you thought coming in, and like what has surprised you as what's happened? Yeah, I thought it was the defense that I was pretty unsure about. I, I thought that um, a lot of pressure was going to be put on Pat Will if he was going to be that starting four or whoever that wing was going to be because. Um, I just didn't see it as a great defensive roster. And I think that specifically when your five is a subpar defender, um, which I, I think Bucevic kind of falls under that label that I felt like you really need wings to make up for that really solid defensive wings. And um, yeah, I mean, to the credit of Derek Jones Jr., um, I think at times Javante green and, and also obviously DeRozan and, and Lonzo, those guys as well, Caruso a little bit smaller, but yeah, I mean, the defense has clicked a lot better than I thought it would for a roster that to me, like has good wings, but not good for not great forwards defensively, um, especially with Patrick Williams going down. So I think that the way that the team's gotten by on that end is probably been what's surprised me the most. So let's say there's still a lot of season left, but let's say the Bulls are in a series against Milwaukee or Brooklyn or even Miami. How would you like how would you stack their uh, chances of winning any of those series with their roster constructed as is? Yeah, um, and Pat Will is for the year or. Well, yeah. they're saying that he could be back um, like March mm. if if he does come back, I believe. I think it was like somewhere around March, April, I guess. Yeah, around that time. So theoretically, um, he could come back if the Bulls, depending on how far the Bulls get in the playoffs, he could come back as like a reserve. Yeah, in general. Okay, yeah. And I guess, um, yeah, coming back in the playoffs is probably not going to lead to all too much contributions. I mean, mm. I think I'd probably say if I had to guess, like you guys said, it's still early, like a, I don't know, 40%, 35% chance of coming out of a series against Milwaukee specifically is one that stands out to me and probably feel a little bit better with Brooklyn and really like a coin flip with Miami, depending on what their health situation looks like at the end of the year with Bam being down right now and all that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, like I said, I think about 35, 40% for Milwaukee and then about the same for Brooklyn and about a coin flip for Miami. Where are you guys at with it at uh, this point? I personally, I'm probably, I agree with you. I would, I would feel, you know, I feel like we would have a shot against the bucks. Um, but I, I would still have them as easy favorites or like the major, major majority of them being the favorites. Uh, the Nets, I feel like, it's it's interesting to me. Like I look at them, I know we 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 played them really well in the, so far in the two games we we faced them. We blew them out in the fourth quarter at the game at the home game here. And Caruso is for overall with Caruso in particular, but the Bulls overall defensively have done a great job on James Harden. 
Um, but then I think about the playoffs and think like, man, you know, KD last year, pretty much by himself, almost took that team to the finals. Uh, and against a pretty good Bucks team at that. So I, I think on the playoffs could be a different animal. So I, I would still feel like we could beat them, but I'm not as confident as like maybe m- most Bulls fans would be. And, and who, like who covers KD? Yeah, that's a, well, nobody ever can cover <laughs> KD. That's just it. Yeah, like there's not a play, there's not a player in existence, a person in existence that could, uh, you know, unless you get like, I don't know, God to come down and defend him, I guess. <laughs> I <don't know. laughs> but, uh, you know, he, no one's covering KD. That's just it. Right. So, yeah. And then the, and then Miami, I would feel, I, I'd feel about the same. Like, you know, I think it can series could go either way. And that series would be really fun to watch as well. This was Shaquille. I, I, I'm a huge Jimmy Butler fan uh, from his playing days with the Bulls. And I remained a big Butler fan. So it'll be fun to watch the Bulls play that team and seeing how we could do against them. And it'll be definitely fun, obviously, to see them win it. But yeah, that's how I, I see it myself. Yeah, I, I think the Bulls match up with Miami pretty equally, I think, across the board, more or less. Uh, definitely defensive assignments individually. I think they could do a lot better than they can with Brooklyn. I do think they can beat Brooklyn in a series, but again, as you mentioned, Kevin Durant is just unreal, and we don't really have a guy who is built to guard him for 40-something minutes a game, so, I mean, that would be tough. We can throw Lonzo at him, you can throw Caruso, uh, DJJ, whoever, and, you know, hopefully you get some decent results at it, but it's tough, but I think they can win that series. Milwaukee is is a much steeper hill, I think, and Again, where they have that, they have the championship experience. They've been playing well when they're fully healthy, and they they definitely should be viewed as the favorites right now. I think the the two things that I look at when we talk about the playoffs is your your stars are always going to be the biggest factor here. It's really about how great can your stars be on the biggest stage. So if Zach Levine and Demar Derozan are playing at the level they are right now then I feel pretty good that they can make a pretty solid run. The The other thing I think is when you look at the starting lineup, and I guess this is going to kind of transition into you know our discussion about Harrison Barnes here, is the Bulls just, it's going to be tough in the playoffs because if Javante Green is still starting, teams are not going to guard him. And we've seen it in some clips. I think Stefano posted some clips of, uh, I think the Knicks playing the Bulls, and you just see no one's guarding uh, Javante Green. Like he's just standing, almost kind of like on the wing, and they're just kind of forgetting about him. So it, it just shows you that if that's going to happen in the playoffs, and it will, it's going to put more pressure on Levine and DeRozan, and you really need someone at that spot who you can't leave. Yeah, and I mean, HB is, uh, Barnes is definitely that guy, you know, he's shooting 40% from three on the year, shot 39% last year, 38% the year before. Um, They're really encouraging him this year to shoot more often. You know, Walton, before he was let go, was saying that he wanted Barnes putting up six threes a game. And first 10 games of the year, he put up 6.3 per game, knocked down 43% of those and uh, was averaging 22 points. I thought that he could average 20 on the year if we were just going to see his attempts 
take a significant jump this season and the efficiency still kind of remain. And then in the 11 that he's played since, which includes a bit of a inactive stretch for five games that he had a foot injury going on that he's just coming back from um, that 6.7 attempts per game is lowered down to 3.2 and it's on 34% from three, but usually he's not a streaky shooter or anything like that. I think he does have a tendency to be a little bit streaky in his attempts, the amount of shots that he's getting up and his aggressiveness on the offensive end each night. But I mean, it's certainly not like a, if he's wide open that he's not going to let it go. I think that it's just more so this season, they're trying to convince him that, Hey, even if you have a little bit of space, like let it fly quickly. But if he was around more stars or initiators, ball handlers, kind of like a situation that we're talking about here with Chicago, I mean, certainly not a guy that can be left alone. How did, how did Barnes like, did this breakout season for him? Is this something that you kind of saw coming? Like I, I remember him as a prospect and I feel like there were always questions about him as a facilitator or a uh, off the dribble type of scorer and just, you know, ball handler and things like that. Never really questions about, you know, his defense and being like a solid three and D player, but it seems like he's been become really good at those things this year. And that's been significant in having such a breakout season. Like were very, was there anything that really suggests that something like this was coming from Barnes? I mean, I think last year we saw him look really comfortable and he took a little bit of a jump in his playmaking specifically last season. And that's actually come down a little bit this year. So I think that when it did seem like there was a jump for Barnes this season, it mainly had to do with him just putting up more shots than he had since he was in Dallas and only shooting threes and at the rim. He got rid of all the mid range stuff that was going on during his time in Dallas. Um, You know, they were asking him to create a lot in the pick and roll or isolation or post-ups. And it's just like, he's still not that guy. So I think that having, Fox and Halliburton initiating the offense and Davion sometimes in there as well. And Barnes just playing more of a complimentary rather than initiator role on offense um, just works really well. So really since he's come to Sacramento, he's fit that role really well where he's a high level three point shooter and is good at attacking closeouts when people are worried about his, his shooting. Um, And then aside from that, I mean, he's just kind of average at everything, which I think not having a weakness and when you can say that average at everything for a guy that's six, eight and also throw in borderline elite three point shooting, like it's really valuable. You know, I don't think he's great on the defensive end or anything like that. I wouldn't classify him as a stopper, but um, he's not hurting you on that end either. He's, he's just about average. Um, I kind of talked myself in a circle there, I guess, but I think that <laughs> just the role that he, to go back to your question, the role that he's had in Sacramento as more of a um, complimentary offensive player rather than initiator has really allowed him to get more comfortable. And if there was a breakout this year, it was just because of increase in shot attempts, but that's kind of slowly come back down to earth. Um, and yeah, if he can I remain efficient, whoops, Siri apparently is a Harrison Barnes fan. Um <laughs> Yeah, if he can remain efficient, then I mean, I think that he's going to have great value throughout the league. And it seems like he can do that. So so let's talk about his defense a little bit. Like you mentioned, he's average there, I guess, not a stopper. Um, how was he defending? I know what we've heard from uh, Mark Schindler, who we had on last 
mentioned that he's not much of a perimeter defender anymore. Um, can, how is he defending the fours? Like, is he, can he kind of, kind of handle a bigger fours um, in the post if he has to um, in general, how does he do defending on, even like on the help side and the weak side defenses as well? Yeah. I mean, I think he's just kind of like average all around, you know, he, he's not a difference maker on that end, but he's also not really hurting you. Um, I think like weak side, if you're looking for some sort of rim protection, you're not getting any of that from him. Um, yeah. Perimeter containment isn't great, but uh, I don't know that that's a hard one to judge on this Kings roster because honestly, all of their perimeter containment aside from Davion Mitchell is horrible. Um, so it's sometimes a little hard to tell, um, where exactly the mistake is coming from when it's coming from a couple different spots, but like HP is going to keep his guy in front of him. I think more often than not, um, yeah, I mean, the easiest way to describe it is probably just that he's average defensively in most aspects. He's, if you're going to post him up, he's a smart player. That's got some size and strength to him. I think he does well there. Doesn't do a, he does an okay job keeping guys in front of him. There's not really weak side rim protection, but he understands rotations well. And yeah, I mean, being average defender at, at six, eight, definitely is still going to supply some versatility. So, so he's under contract, uh, through 2023, making about 18, a little bit over 18 million that season. Uh, so let's kind of get into like the juicy stuff with it. Like if the Kings do, the Kings really aren't out of it in the West right now, right? Like they're 11 and 15. I mean, considering they fired their coach, you would think that a team like that would just be completely out of it. But I mean, they're still in it. Like it's still pretty early. So I guess my question to you would be if the Kings are still hovering around the same type of area come the trade deadline, do you think Harrison Barnes would be made available or do you think that they would keep him and maybe even think about like bringing him back like as a a more long-term piece? Like what, what's your sense of his availability really? I think that they'd be open to bringing him back. You know, there is this year and next, but I think it would kind of be stupid to not listen around because he's a guy that is probably going to have some pretty good value. You know, since he's come back from, uh, this little foot injury, he hasn't been great, but it's only been two games. So I think he's just kind of getting in a rhythm again there um, coming back from that. But yeah, I mean, we saw a lot of reported interest in him at last deadline. Um, the Celtics were the team specifically that were linked a lot, but obviously we don't know what sort of trades were actually on the table. Um, you know, we can just kind of assume things and it seems like Monty McNair is somebody that's going to be really patient with any sort of deals. Um, but there's only so long that he can have that level of patience because since he's taken over before the beginning of last season, there's been kind of no progress with this team. It's been pretty much lateral movements. So there's only a matter of time. And um, this has kind of been the issue is that like, we don't know what direction that they want to take. So I think that they're, probably going to explore or be open to the idea of, you know, hearing offers for Barnes, but I don't think that they're going to be extremely quick to move him or anything like that. Like the impression we've gotten is that they are looking to make the playoffs this year, bearing some massive change that I personally don't see happening. And um, I mean, lack of wings is one of the main problems on this Kings team. So I think that it would, 
have to take a pretty encouraging offer. Um, but I, I think that is possibly there with the Bulls. It just depends if the Kings are kind of willing to, rather than say rebuild, like retool with a little bit more of a future focus. But I'd be shocked if they, unless they're like very clearly out of it, if they just did like a fire sale of everybody to kind of, yeah, try to fully reset because I think they've had opportunities to do that within the last two years and have shown that um, they don't want to take that direction. What, what, what a trade do you think would look like if let's say the bulls and Kings approach each other, what, what was something the Kings would be looking for? Um, you know, we've had multiple discussions on our show about what the bulls could offer, but it'd be really interesting to hear on, on your side uh, what you would think if in that scenario the bull that the Kings would look for the future and and look to retool a little bit. Uh, what do you think they would ask in return? Yeah, I mean, I think that the primary asset that stands out to me is is Patrick Williams. Um, I don't know. I kind of wanted to pick your guys' brain on where you think that um, the Bulls are at with with Pat Will. I know that. Obviously, he's, he's down, like we talked about, for most of this year, potentially um, the postseason as well. But am I right in thinking that, like, if there's an upgrade for the Bulls to make, it's probably got to include Patrick Williams? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Um, so, as far as where the Bulls are at with him, like, we don't know. Like, AK is still kind of hard to read. He's a very, like, it's a lot of things that he's done so far has been very kind of surprising. Um, so we really don't know like how he would feel about trading his guys yet. Uh, we haven't seriously, like, obviously when you, when you were a new GM, you're not, you know, committed oh, right. to a lot of like the guys that you took on. So uh, you're, you're more than willing to trade those players. We don't know how he feel will, he'll feel about trading. Like, you know, his first ever uh, NBA draft pick that he took himself. We don't know that amongst Bulls fans, it's, it's a pretty mixed bag. Like a lot of Bulls fans see it as, okay, look, I, we love Pat. We still think Pat is going to be good. And Edward and I fall into that category. We like Pat. We think he's going to be very good one day. Uh, but right now it's kind of, we see a window here uh, that those Bulls could take really advantage of. And yeah, I think he would have to be made available in a trade for, to upgrade you know, at, at that position. So we would personally feel comfortable giving him up. But like I said, it's just so comfy, hard to see what AK and Mark Eversley would do. And then what, you know, obviously the reaction amongst other Bulls fans is not really that relevant necessarily. It's just about what the front office would think. Yeah. I, I think Salim is spot on here. And it, it really is just about, I've been bringing this up on each show recently, but I always think back to the 2010-11 Bulls and how they didn't fill in the necessary holes that they had that season for their best shot at winning a championship, and they never got that close again. And you can even kind of look at like the 2006-2007 Bulls too, when they never really added that the the low post player of a 2010 guy that everyone wanted at the time and they never really got close again to maximizing their chances so this is a special season all the stars seem to be aligning and I lean towards like you have to take advantage of what you have right now and Patrick Williams I think is going to be a good player but if Harrison Barnes can increase your chances of winning right now I, I think that's a move you got to do while DeRozan's in his prime Zach is really good 
you know, Vooch age-wise is in his prime, even though he's struggling. You just have a lot of guys in their prime right now, and I feel like Barnes contributes more to that window than uh, Patrick Williams does. Uh, so I, I get the blowback from it where people are like, eh, Patrick is still young, but I don't know. Like, in in your opinion, do you feel like if the Bulls did make a trade for Barnes, do you think that they are, like, how how much better do you think that that team is if they acquire him? I mean, I think that, like, Barnes as your fourth or fifth starter is a damn good player, especially mm-hmm. on offense. Like, I talked about a really good three-point shooter, so supplying more spacing, you know, my understanding, guys, don't the Bulls don't get up a great amount of threes, and I think HB could help with that. Um, he doesn't put them up at a great rate, but again, he definitely can't be ignored in the corners or anything like that. Um, like I, I think offensively it would really be a good fit for what Chicago is working with. There's still a year left on Barnes's deal. He's still only 29, which I think is, he's one of those guys that I think most people would probably guess his age wrong because it feels like he's been through three different, like massively different stages (laughs) of his career with Golden State, Dallas, and now Sacramento. Um, So, you know, even after those this year and the next passes that there's still more basketball where Barnes will be playing at a high level um, could end up resigning, you know, having bird rights, like, I, I think the deal because you still have to get to his 20 million in salary that makes sense to me is Pat will and Derek Jones jr. Um, when Derek Jones jr. Was a free agent. Um, it wasn't last off season, but the off season before I know the Kings were one of the four teams that were really closely linked to him. Um, and then he ended up going to, I believe it was Portland. So I know that McNair at least seems to have some interest in Derek Jones. And I think that he, a lot of it has to do with just, you know, he is the matching salary that makes sense, but I think that he also is an okay fit in Sacramento. Um, so if you're really talking about losing Derek Jones Jr. because Pat Will hasn't contributed much this year for an upgrade of Barnes, like I think that's that's really significant. You lose some athleticism probably defensively, um, but it's really not much of a downgrade there and a huge upgrade on the offensive end. So, I mean, I think it would just make the Bulls that much more threatening and have five players on the floor that like can can put up 20 any night. Yeah, that's definitely the trade that we've been discussing, uh, DJJ and uh, Pat Will for Harrison Barnes. Uh, the other thing we threw around just because obviously DJJ has been such a big boost off the bench is uh, DJJ, TBJ, and Kobe. Um, to, that could kind of match the salaries as well. But obviously it depends on what – obviously the Kings have so many guards. Yeah. So that's, the, that's the other thing I was thinking about. Like I don't know what the Kings are doing as far as that's concerned. Like do you think – not to get sites up on uh, off the Harrison Barnes topic, but do you think they would get involved in like the Ben Simmons uh, deal? Like I know they were rumored earlier this year, but I don't know where they're at now with trying to, you know, go after Simmons. Um, Yeah, I think they could. Um, I I think that it would make a lot of sense. I mean, there's a lot of guards. I think it's just about, you know, the reporting what the other days that Philly's looking for a top 25 player. They're not going to get that from Sacramento. Like, if they're looking for a star level guy back for Ben, I don't think the Kings are going to give that to them. So the way that the Kings would have to be involved would be a three team trade where their draft asset assets are what is the primary thing that they're giving back. And if 
Philly, say like Spuddy Heald, who could be an interesting fit with um, spacing the floor with Embiid. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of where the holdup is, but I do think that the Kings are going to be involved in those sort of conversations, the Simmons or the Sabonis and Turner, or if like Jeremy Grant becomes a conversation, like, yeah, the Kings have a lot of roster imbalance going on with all these guards. So I think that they're definitely going to be involved. I'd be shocked if there wasn't some sort of significant trade um, that's made uh, from Monty McNair when it comes to Sacramento by this deadline, but Kobe white doesn't, make much sense in my mind. He's a, it's a pretty tough fit to kind of do De'Aaron, um, Davion Mitchell and Tyrese and Kobe white. I just don't know at that point. I mean, already the three is a little difficult. Four of them is, is, uh, yeah, probably a little bit too much. Yeah. It, it's, maybe, I would say maybe you can get like a three team involved where the Bulls send Kobe to Philly or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I, I, would, yeah, I, I haven't laid out any three teams, but I think yeah, three team <laughs> deals are probably what is going to make sense for a team like Sacramento or Minnesota trying to get in on these type of deals. I wonder if Sacramento, like would they want a draft pick too? Would they be, if, if McNair was talking to AK and they put Patrick and DJ Day on the table, would the Kings be like, mm, let's get that, uh, I think the Bulls can still trade the Portland pick. I mean, I, I don't know how likely that is to convey anytime soon, but I think they can still trade that pick, even though they can't trade their own because Orlando has uh, the uh, 2023 one. So, I mean, would they want draft compensation as well? I mean, I'm sure they certainly would ask for it. Like, I would guess that most conversations are probably asking for more than what you think you actually yeah. deserve. Uh, I don't, like, I just don't know that they could get that. Like from your point, your guys's point of view, would you be willing to throw in another first on, on top of Pat Will and DJJ? Oh, absolutely to be <laughs> No, I would. Because I, I mean, if we're offering Pat Will, I can understand if we're offering Kobe, for example, then you were throwing in, in, in that Portland pick um, to, to, you know, sweeten the pot. But like, if you're offering, offering Pat Williams, who obviously, I mean, he's had, He's shown some potential. Like he's obviously had a rough start to his career because of the in- the injury, uh, but he still has a you know a number four pick. He still has a lot of potential to grow. And then obviously DJJ to me isn't an exactly a throw in either. Like he's showing that he's he's still a young player and he could be a nice player still to develop into something yeah. uh, as well. So yeah. to me, that that point, I'm like I'm not throwing in another draft pick. Yeah, because even losing DJJ, I mean. Is- kind of tough too to be honest i mean that's no, not exactly yeah because he's been really versatile for the bulls in terms of being able to play the four that small ball five like being that rim roller at the five and his athleticism has been a really welcome addition to the team so yeah it i think you're right brendan that because teams all the time ask for stuff that's above and beyond what they you know actually would settle for or, you know what they want especially if the kings are in a position where a bunch of playoff teams are going to be interested in harrison barnes as you mentioned i think you said the celtics earlier were a team that they talked to like uh before about barnes and i'm sure there will be other teams too so it, it could be a really interesting trade market depending on uh how things shake up with that let me ask you this too do you think that like what other players on the kings do you have a feel for that they might make available, uh, you know, approaching the trade deadline. I think Marvin Bagley is someone that people have been talking about, but I'm not sure 
I, I don't think Chicago would be interested, but like, is he someone else you think would be kind of on the move? Yeah, I think Marvin, uh, I, I'd be surprised. He's the one guy that I look at and I'm like, there's no way he makes it past the deadline because I, I mean, his, he's found a role on the team recently. You know, it seems like the common analysis. Um, and I guess that's my way of wording it to act like I don't agree with this, but I do um, is that before he just, you know, had in his mind that he was a star and that every time he went out there, he was going out there to prove he's a star player. And this season, we finally see him like go out there and just fill a role. And it's only been about six games or so this season that we've seen that maybe 10 at most. So I think there's still time that needs to, that that needs to prove that um, he's really able to do that as just a guy that's going to, hit spot up corner threes and run the floor in transition. Still not going to be a good defender or anything like that, but obviously just kind of use his athleticism in a role rather than still trying to be a star. But um, I mean, yeah, it seems like his time in Sacramento is limited, probably gone at this point. So his 11 million though in salary is really important for matching. If they combine him with buddy, they can get max space or they can bring back a max guy. They combine Marvin and Tristan Thompson. Uh, Tristan Thompson's making 9.7 this year and is probably the third center, you would say, in this roster. Um, so you could combine two guys right there that are hardly contributing, get up to 20 million. And if you add some draft picks, then all of a sudden, you know, you could be talking about like adding Jeremy Grant for two guys that are hardly impacting your rotation. Um, but Bagley's the guy that really stands out to me as probably won't make it past the deadline because um, he's got that matching salary. I'd be surprised if the Kings were trying to make him restricted and bring him back next year. And then I think it's just about, you know, does he get combined with uh, Tristan Thompson for that 20 ish million, or does he get combined with a buddy healed to get you up to, you know, 33 million sort of range. And um, yeah, maybe if there's more throw-ins needed, something like Davion Mitchell or, if people became really interested, some sort of interest level on Maurice Harkless, I don't know, like could be interesting from Chicago's side, I guess, but his shooting isn't great, which I know it kind of feels overlapping with Derek Jones Jr. Probably just a worse version of Derek Jones Jr. At this point in his career. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, really it's just anything but Fox or Halliburton, I guess is as I'm going through all these, it's anybody but Fox or Halliburton. And then I'd also, say that it's pretty low chances for Barnes or Holmes, but the right offer is going to be able to pull any of these guys away. Right. What, what's uh, uh, Tristan Thompson's uh, situation like? I know he's kind of had a rough season, if you will. Um, I don't know if it's because of maybe responsibilities that he's being asked to do things that maybe not fit his game. Um, or And what are the likelihood, like, I know you mentioned trade, but likelihood that he would be, a uh, uh, like they would, the Kings would buy him out uh, after the trade deadline, if obviously something doesn't transpire. Yeah, I would be surprised if they bought him out. Um, like they traded DeLon Wright for Tristan Thompson, which is still probably the most confusing move we've seen from McNair. Um, but the team was so deprived of centers last year that they made that Thompson move uh, before Rashawn Holmes had re-signed. And I mean, I don't know where they were at with it, but I certainly wasn't expecting them to be able to retain homes at the deal he did. They hadn't signed Alex Len yet. So I 
kind of think that Thompson was a safety net. And then once they got these other wings, it was all of a sudden he didn't fit. Um, but right now it's been, you know, Holmes is the starting center who he's out for, we don't know exactly how long right now with a eye injury. Um, and then the backup is one of Tristan Thompson or Alex Len, depending on however coach is feeling, uh, based on the matchup that night. So Thompson hasn't been great, um, or anything like that, but he's been a, like a vocal leader presence, I guess, that this locker room needs sometimes. And um, certainly not no complaints about his role or anything like that embraces the limited minutes or sometimes rare opportunity that he's um, that he's seeing on the floor sometimes. Um, yeah. I mean, is, is that somebody that again, I don't, I don't think he's great or anything like that, but I think that he's a fine backup center that still displays um, some decent defensive instincts and can run the floor and, and still rebound at a decent rate. Like, that is something I hadn't thought about coming into this for the bulls. Like there's no backup center, right? Is that, is that something right. that yeah. you could look to acquire? Definitely. I think so. But Tony Bradley jr. Has done, you know, as best as he could. Um, he's not been like a consistent player that, that they can play in, in every lineup. So I, I, the bulls definitely need somebody that can come in off the bench with some size, help them on the glass and, and just be, you know, a solid presence down there when Vooch is out of the lineup. So that's definitely something like, you know, we've thought about as well. Like, I don't know, obviously Tristan Thomason is probably not going to be a trade target just because of his salary. And I don't know what the Bulls would be. Like, they can't really give up anything for him to match that salary uh, that they would want to give up, that is. Um, so you don't want the I, Kardashian I, drama? <laughs> yes, I do. No, no, no. Well, no, I'll, I'll take him as a player. Like that's what I was wondering if there was like a buyout situation. I think that would be like the only way the Bulls could really get him, just simply because, like yeah. I said, I, I don't know what. Like I don't think the Bulls would be willing to give up anything of value for him, and and in a real value sense, I would say in a trade. I'm not sure about that, but I think in a in a buyout situation. So I was wondering, I didn't know if he would be someone that would stick on the roster all year, or if that's something like, obviously he may be, I don't know if he wants to go to a situation that is more likely to be in the playoffs, but obviously the Kings have recently played a lot better and are in that play in trajectory as well. So not sure how that all transpires and how that works itself out either. Yeah. I think the, yeah, sorry. I know you asked the buyout thing before and I kind of talked in a circle, but, um, yeah, I'd be shocked if he did get bought out. I don't think it's out of the conversation, but he is sitting at $9 million, so that makes it a little bit um, less likely already. And then I think it would be kind of McNair admitting a mistake almost, if that makes sense, considering that he traded him for DeLon Wright. And then also, um, yeah, there's not great center depth on this team. Like, uh, Well, I guess I said there's there's a couple guys, right? But if one of those goes down, I think with how poor defensively this Kings team is that they really need at least average defensive centers. And, and Thompson probably falls under that if maybe a little bit below average. Um, so I, I'd be surprised unless, you know, like you said, he came up to the front office and was really asking to get bought out. Um, then, then maybe that's a thing there was like in the midst of whatever his recent drama, you know, some texts that came out that said, uh, 
that this is that he was planning on retiring after this season anyway. So yeah. maybe there is some sort of, yeah, I want to get bought out and go to a team that has a chance to win a championship. Like maybe that ends up happening, but I would guess at the current moment that it's a pretty low chance that he gets bought out. Um, Alex Len could be interesting. No, like I, I think that they've really liked him. He seems like the backup big on this roster, but yeah, I mean, if you're getting, I don't know exactly what the trade would be. He's only at like a $3 million deal. So it'd be a smaller guy here and probably like a late first rounder, um, which is kind of a lot for Len. I don't know how you guys feel from that for your guys' side, but I feel like it's something that if the Kings got offered, it'd be hard to turn that down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm, I haven't really thought about Len to be honest. I, I, I'm not sure. I haven't really paid attention uh, of him this season. Um, I know he's been one of those players that's kind of just hopped around in his career um, but yeah, I mean, like I said, the Bulls just definitely need some, not only like obviously at the forward, but size in general that could help them, um, against some of these lineups because the Bulls definitely struggle having to, because a lot of times they end up having like Lonzo on the four, which I mean, he does his best, but then obviously you have that we've talked about Javante as well. Who's, who's that's funny. Like he's like six, four and he's playing the four. Um, so they have to do a lot of these small lineups because of this, 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 because of availability on who they have on the roster. Mm, yeah. It, it would be nice to get, it, it would be nice to get someone like around like six ten, six eleven, with a little bit of spring that uh, can be a good rim runner and, um, has a, you know, can crash the glass a little bit and just give you like 15 or 16 minutes of pretty competent play. And I think, I think typically that's what you can expect from the buyout market, right? Like those type of players will be available. So even if the bulls don't get that through trade, I, I think that they can find that uh, somewhere else. You know, I, I do kind of still like, man, it sucks that we had such a good off season and then we had to uh, lose Tice as well. Cause man, just think about Tice on this roster. <laughs> it would be really nice, man. He, he if was the so Rockets good. didn't give him that contract, it would have been nice. Like yeah. if, if the Bulls could have bought him back for like two years, like twelve million or something like that. Yeah. Um, he could have. I mean, not playing with Vooch because last season it played him with with Vooch a lot, which was bad. But just backing him up, he would be better than having Tony Bradley. I think. Oh man, yeah, that would be amazing. But yeah, like can't really happen uh, at at this point. Uh, let me ask you this too, Brandon. Uh, as we talked about earlier, uh, Kings uh, got rid of Luke, Luke Walton, and you know they're still in it with uh, Alvin Gentry, I believe, as a as the coach. Uh, like, w- what really contributed to everything in terms of like getting rid of Luke Walton, and where do you think that they're going to go? I guess direction wise with their next head coach, or do you see Gentry staying on, uh, going long term? Like, maybe he'll just be the guy. Like, what do you expect out of that? Yeah, I think the Walton decision is kind of frustrating. It's like if you had that short of a leash with your coach, then why was he not just moved on from in the offseason when there were, I want to say, seven or eight other head coaching changes? Like there were a lot of guys available. Um, There's been some kind of whispers that Chris Finch was McNair's guy and once he was kind of picked up. They had decided to kind of just ride it out with Walton. And um, yeah, I mean, Finch was a guy that was a part of Houston when McNair was there. And obviously when Gerson Rosas was there as well, I think that could kind of explain why Finch was picked up in the middle of the season from a different team um, when, when he made his way to Minnesota. But 
Yeah, I mean, I don't think that Walton is fully to blame. I think there is a little bit of like scapegoating going on with a poorly constructed roster and maybe too high of expectations for the roster that they're working with. But at the same time, Walton hasn't given any reason for people to believe that he's a good coach. Um, I think there's a couple of things that you could point to and say that he's been a poor coach. There's not really much of anything you can point to and say he's done well. And now it's been, I think six years, three with the Lakers and then three with the Kings. So I think that's kind of what it came down to. The team was inconsistent. And when there's two nine game losing streaks last year, they went on a, I want to say they lost seven of eight or eight of nine already this season after a really hot stretch. It was kind of like, all right, this is enough. And the decision to move on to Gentry, like I think that Gentry could stick around Um, the last game they just played against Charlotte and lost to a Hornets team that was missing uh, seven different guys, I think was uh, definitely a disappointing one and some rotation questions like, the first time we've seen the fan base get a little bit frustrated with Gentry and he's only eight games in now, um, or maybe it's nine now. So I think that if there is talk that if Gentry makes the playoffs, that he will get an opportunity to move forward with this team. And I think that if the team makes the playoffs, he probably deserves that. But um, yeah, that probably feels like a coin flip, maybe more so leaning towards Gentry getting moved on from, and then replacements when it comes to the off season, I think is kind of hard to call right now. Um, I haven't done great research on the guys available and I'm sure that more people will become available as the season goes along. But I think of like a Terry Stotts, Kenny Atkinson, Becky Hammond. Um, I'm sure I'm forgetting people. I know Scott Brooks is a California guy, even though I don't love Scott Brooks. Um, yeah, I think that you know people throw Mike D'Antoni in there. Probably not great odds for that. Hopefully, it's not Doug Christie, and it's that's another Vlade Divac situation all over again, where you're giving an unqualified, previous previously loved player a role just for kind of the sake of a little bit of nostalgia and hoping the fan base is willing to give him a longer leash because they love him. Um, but yeah, I think the coaching situation is a little hard to tell right now since it's so early in the season. It's disappointing that they obviously didn't feel they were kind of on edge about Walton enough that they were willing to let him go this early into the season. And Gentry is going to be given a chance where it seems like if he makes the postseason, he'll kind of stick around. But um, yeah, we'll we'll see if that ends up happening. He's got a pretty uneven roster. So I think the roster changes are going to really impact uh, Gentry's opportunity to stick around. Kind of sounds like yeah. uh, <laughs> the way you were talking about Luke Walton and Alvin Gentry was kind of sounding like Fred Hoiberg and Jim Boylan. <laughs> yeah, no, I've, I've made a lot of parallels to the Bulls and the Kings. I mean, I, up till um, recently with AK taking over before that, the previous regime with Gar and Pax, obviously you had Vladi Divac, <laughs> uh, same kind of situation, you know, a, a former player that was beloved and just kind of, made really bad decisions, stayed on longer than he should have. Obviously, ownership is very similar. I think the only difference is the Bulls were obviously physically in a bigger bigger market, but they operated like a small market team. Um, a lot of things obviously just changed recently when with Michael Ryan's were finally, you know, changing his mind on how he, how he wanted the Bulls to, you know, work, work as far as even going outside of the, the normal 
guys that he would look to hire as far as GMs and president of Bass Operations concerned. So he obviously went out and got AK and then AK got Mark Eversley. But yeah, before that, I had a lot of similarities with the Kings and the Bulls. It was like eerily similar in my to, to me, at least. Yeah. Yeah, um, I mean, hopefully they can have a similar turnaround, yeah. right? The the other team that we hear uh, links, well, I, I guess Minnesota similar as well. But then the other optimistic way to look at it would be Phoenix as well, like a really quick turnaround with mm-hmm. you bringing a guy and and it happened to click. It happens to click well. Um, yeah, there's there's a situation where the Kings are able to trade for a you know say you're able to somehow move Buddy Healed and. Marvin Bagley and, uh, you know, two first round picks, let's say three or, or two and Davion Mitchell for Ben Simmons. And then all of a sudden you have, um, Fox, Tyrese, Harrison Barnes, Rashawn Holmes, Ben Simmons, and you still have an opportunity to get near max cap space this off season. You add one more guy, then, you know, that's the optimistic way of like how we can go from, you know, like you're saying, being similar to the Bulls and then hopefully having a similar just uh, growth that happens overnight almost, it feels like. Yeah. It, the Kings have always been like, they've always had one of the funnest like home court environments to me in the NBA. So hopefully they do get back to relevance. And I know those fans definitely deserve something. It's just crazy how long like that playoff drought has actually been like what it's like 15 years. Like was it? Oh, six. Oh, yeah, 15 years, Oof, which is yeah. crazy. And this is the first year where the um, stadium has definitely been a lot more empty, which I'm sure COVID has an impact of that and like California restrictions yeah. and guidelines for that and everything. But also it seems like the fan base is just getting like, over it. It's like, yeah, tired of it. <laughs> yeah, it's at the point where there are people that were like born when the team they they don't remember the team ever being good and the warriors were good nearby that it's like there's borderline like people that are old enough to become fans of their own teams at this point that like why would they pick the kings unless you know they just like their family was really tied to it and they were willing to do that like that's a good yeah. point actually yeah that's that's crazy i mean the warriors have transformed like they they've become such a valuable franchise they and it's crazy because they went through a pretty dry spell too before like they got uh Steph Curry like they not as bad but they definitely had their own struggles yeah. too so it's just it's insane yeah. how their come up now it could, has influenced like all the allegiances in California because it used to just be Lakers or or nothing and then now it's like oh you Lakers Warriors Clippers are pretty good too and then it's just like Sacramento is just kind of like lagging behind but yeah hopefully hopefully they do turn it around like we've been there before with the bulls and just knowing how like all of these bad decisions play out and how tiring it gets so uh, hopefully it's like it's yeah. like almost like a situation in california that all four teams can't be good at the same time <laughs> like, <laughs> it seems like there's like a like a parallel there is there like i don't know <laughs> It's possible. I don't know. I can't. I can't remember the last time all four California teams were like good at the same time, or even in the playoffs. It may like at least competitive. Like yeah, I mean, at least competitive. Obviously. Yeah, it may have happened before, but I don't know. But yeah, hopefully something comes. Brandon, this has been uh, just great getting your insight on Harrison Barnes, the Kings, and you know all of the stuff involving some uh, potential trade that deadline acquisitions for the Bulls. It's been really great conversation, man. 
Uh, can you let our listeners know where they can follow you on social media and just any final thoughts before we wrap up? Yeah, for sure. I appreciate you guys having me on. It's just um, at Brendan Nunez NBA on Twitter. And yeah, like you guys said, uh, just do a, spend a whole lot of time covering the Kings. So it's Kings Herald for any sort of writing and probably a new place here soon as well. And then Kings Pulse for the podcast. But yeah, definitely anybody that has questions revolving around any of the Kings players and maybe potential fake trades or whatever for Chicago's <laughs> point of view, feel free to throw them my way. But yeah, like I said, guys, I, I appreciate you having me on. I'm very interested by this whole Pat Will, Derek Jones Jr. for HB swap. So hopefully we're talking again. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, hopefully that would be definitely a uh, situation that could help be yeah. beneficial for the Bulls, I think. Yeah, and we won't be like Lakers fans who throw like – out like the really really bad trades and then they're like all right who, who says no <laughs> so, <laughs> so you'll, you'll get some fair you'll get some fair offers if they start hitting you up <laughs> we will not offer you tyler cook and a second round pick from like 2030 for harrison matt barnes. thomas <laughs> matt thomas portland pick for harrison barnes who says no <laughs> kings fans will try to figure out a way to get patrick williams for murray sarkless just so you know oh man oh, oh okay so, as you met too you know yeah <laughs> yeah that's that's not Salim, <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, any uh, final thoughts before we wrap up no yeah i mean you know i'm excited about Obviously, what the Bulls continue to do as the season progresses, hopefully the Bulls, I know tonight is going to be essentially uh, two G League teams, I think, playing because I think yeah. Miami is missing like Jimmy, uh, Bam, I think a couple other guys in their rotation. Obviously, the Bulls are missing who they're missing. I'm hoping they don't play Caruso tonight. I'll let him sit one more game to heal up the hamstring. Um, and then, yeah, I'm also going to be doing the uh, the live podcast at the Windy City Bulls game tonight. So that should be interesting. All right. Yeah. Uh, with a bunch of other really cool Bulls podcasters. So yeah, it should be fun. All right. Yeah, that that sounds great. Uh didn't uh who did Miami beat the other night that was really good with just all those like like second strings? <laughs> they beat someone like really was it Brooklyn that they beat? I don't remember. I let me double check. I could Milwaukee. 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 There we go. Oh. It was Milwaukee. Oh. <laughs> oh interesting. <laughs> trap game. <laughs> yeah, trap game. Maybe. I don't know. It is weird. I mean, it is, the, the game is in Miami, so you never know what yeah. will happen. But. Well, Caleb, Caleb Martin with 28 points. Okay. Yeah, the, the heat culture. I don't know. What the hell is that? Like, it's just uh, guys out of nowhere just come out of the woodwork, and they're like, oh, we're really good now. Like Max Max Struess used to be on the Bulls, and he's been absolutely killing it with them. Something oh, and yeah, I remember him in Boston not doing much. Yeah, I, I think somebody accused them of uh, of uh, using illegal substances. <laughs> so South Beach that. is the illegal substance. <laughs> Maybe I don't know. <laughs> you get to South Beach, everything changes, man. You start feeling a little different. <laughs> oh man but no, that concludes this week's uh, Bulls Gold as always check out our previous episodes wherever you get your podcasts on Apple Spotify on Podbean and you can always catch us here on the Barroom Network so for Salim Sudawala I'm Edward Schuler. this has been Bulls Gold and we will catch you next time Bulls fans <laughs>